Corinthians chapter 10. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. For they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another areas of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Thanks, Joella. All right, mama bears out there, get ready. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, mama bear, like maybe the, the, the illustration at least is like the sweetest, most innocent, nicest person ever, right? So meek and mild and like nice, and then all of a sudden, right? Like viciousness, like holy cow, I'm scared of this person that I've always thought is the most sweetest, nicest, blah, blah, right, right? It's like mama bear, and it's not like a bad thing, at least it can be, I'm sure, but like typically it's like, okay, somebody's attacking my kids, mama bear comes out, I'm not gonna let you, you know, eat my kids, let's say, right? So like a, like a mama bear, right? And so um, it could be daddy bear, it could be friend bear, like it's not mamas, you're not the only ones who get the exclusive claim on being ferocious when you're meek sometimes, okay? But you get the idea, okay? So mama bear. But then also sometimes when you're being mama bear, um, like there's this also other truth. So like, let's just use kids as an example. Your kids are being influenced by these kids. And so now mama bear comes out because, uh-uh, you ain't touching them. Like, you're going to die before you mess with my kids, right? So now mama bear is protecting your kids from these friends. But then there's also a piece of you that are like, but kids, why are you listening to them? dummies <laughs> like you know better like don't you trust me because I've told you not to do this so you're choosing them over me and why like so there's a piece of you that you're upset with your kids for making a dumb decision like what in the world or your friend 
or your teacher or whoever, right? So there's like you're salty with this person, but man, mama bear's coming out for them, but I kind of want to come out. So anyways, that feeling, that emotion, I, I guarantee I know you felt that. And it doesn't, it's not just an exclusive with moms, it's with everybody. So imagine that, okay? I want you to kind of be feeling that or thinking about that because we're in this, man, 2 Corinthians 10, and it changes tone big time. Like Paul gets pretty blunt, sarcastic almost, feeling, uh, confrontational. The mama bear in Paul is coming out because he is protecting his sheep. He is protecting his church. There are people that are saying things about him, discrediting him, lying about the gospel and about him. And so he is protecting and he's defending and he stands up for God's truth. So he's teaching us that sometimes as Christians, we have to be ready to stand up, to stand firm. And it doesn't mean we can always be that sweet, pleasant, nice little thing that's in the background, never saying a word. Sometimes, Mama Bear needs to come out for God's word. But be careful because oftentimes what I'm afraid of is that we bring Mama Bear out, we, get, we stand up, yeah, I love to stand up for God, but you're standing up for your own personal opinion. Like about how you interpret something or how you make a decision in your own personal life. And you, we begin, that's what we stand up in. Yeah, as soon as you tell me I can't do this, oh, I'm all up. Yeah, God you know, gives me freedom. But, but we're not standing up necessarily for God's word. Sometimes it's just for what I want. And then sometimes I'm afraid that we just never stand up. Well, I'm saved, I'm good, we're good, so whatever they do, the world, that's fine. Like, stinks to be them, they're on their own. I've made my decision. It's like, well, wait a minute, that's sad. Shouldn't we care? So Paul is in the middle of this tension. And he's teaching us how to stand firm, allow mama, how stand up for God's word, but also grace and truth. Because it's not like just because we're not going to be nice means we're going to be mean. But we have to be ready to stand up for God's word. And honestly, that song, one of the, that song, it comes down to this: Who do we trust? Like to be willing to say, arms wide open, in abandon. You know, I'm yours. <laughs> Because I got to trust. Who am I? Who 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 are you trusting? That's what it kind of comes down. Maybe you're familiar with that show or the MTV show, The Ridiculousness. There's like three panels, and so they just watch these internet videos from people, epic fails, stunts they try, and they just kind of make fun of it, right? Like epic fail, 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 fail. And it's, I guess you know it's funny to watch. But this is so. This is Paul. It's kind of like a, a, like a panelist talking about the, the false teachers, these people who are spreading ridiculousness, and he's talking about how, dude, it's like an epic fail. And, and, and so he's got this mama bear also like, come on, like Corinthians, why in the world would you be listening to these people? Because you know me, I was with you. We spent time with you. you. You know exactly what I told you, the words that I said and how we lived among you. So why would you trust these guys? Why would you believe them? So he's in the middle of this. And this is for all of us. So they're saying things like, well, Paul is, is super big and bad in his letters, but he's super wimpy when he's with you. Like, psh, he's all bark and no bite. Don't worry about this guy. And Paul's like, well, wait a minute. Be, be careful. Because I'm coming to you. reminds them in chapter 10, I, I, I've been speaking to you out of the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I've been real pleasant. I've been nice to you, but be careful because it's going to come short. My fuse is getting really short. And if, if you make me, I will come there and I will remind you of the apostleship, the, the authority that Christ has given me, and I will put you in your place. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. You can't say that, Paul, because that's not what Christians do. Well, Paul is very much saying that. It, there's a difference between being meek and weak 
And sometimes, you know, God didn't create wimps. Jesus was no wimp, but he was very meek, but he was not weak. Meekness is strength constrained, right? Like controlled. Imagine like a horse, a stallion, all that power, but if they're tamed, it can be used and controlled, right? Or imagine like a dam holding up all of this water, hundreds and hundreds of feet of water, all the power and that, what that water could do, but it's controlled, right? It's, it's being controlled. Or imagine Jesus up on the cross, all the power of God, all the power in the universe right there up on the cross. He could have called down angels, armies, bam, bam, you're gone, you're gone. I mean, he could have done whatever, dude. Power constrained. Power under control. It's easy. It's easy to fight back. It's easy to punch you if you punch me. Now, you may not win the fight, <laughs> but, but it's easy to just fight, to punch when you get punched. It's hard to turn the other cheek. It's easy to be childish and let your temper go, say whatever you want to say and let horrible, ugly language and foul words and name-calling come out of my mouth and blame other people for it. It's easy to just say whatever. It's hard to control your tongue. It's hard to allow that Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does, to produce to control those emotions and feelings and to use them actually for the benefit of the other people instead of just making me feel good or doing what I want to do with it. That's hard. Meek and weak are very different. And Paul's like, listen, I love you and I'm not trying to scare you, but if you continue in this, then when I come, I will put you in your place. He's writing them letters because he's seen... Paul, they started the church, and the Christians, uh, it was a great thing, and then he leaves to go start other churches, and they had some struggles, some sin issues, and so he writes the letter of 1 Corinthians to, to remind them, to teach them, to call them to repentance, and most of them did, but some of them did not, and now these false teachers are gaining a following by putting Paul down, speaking ugly, nasty untruths about him and about the gospel to gain a following, and so that's the situation, and Paul's like, my letters, I write you because I care about you, and I want our time together to be good, so let's deal with it in the letters. So in other words, he's writing these letters to hopefully allow the Holy Spirit to convict you before I come to you. And I like things to be in writing sometimes. I bet you do as well. Like when someone questions me or wants information or, you know, whatever, I, I like writing sometimes because I can clearly say, that's what I said. And if a person says, well, yeah, I never, I don't remember that, I can say, I sent you an email on September 4th. <laughs> That's what I said. You said I said this, but no, look, those are the words that I actually said. So no, I didn't say that, right? I like that part of it. But then also, sometimes in the writing, it can be misconstrued, right? Misunderstood, because my tone and my facial expressions can't come across in my writing. And so I can send a text or an email out, and I can put hours and hours of work into crafting the perfect email, and then the person's like, Whoa, Mark. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> like, why are you so mad? I'm not mad. <sighs> Read that. That's not what my tone meant whatsoever, right? Sometimes it's difficult. Emojis, forget them. Throw them out. Never use them ever, ever, ever again. That's my stance on emojis at this moment in my life. I'm going to show you one, and I'm going to ask you a question. Here's an emoji. Okay. Give you two choices. What does this emoji mean? A, raise your hand. A, this is like sarcastic, like, like you know, you're joking, sarcastic, like I'm, I'm messing with you. Who thinks it's that? Who thinks it's, hey, what's up? Yeah, I got some, yeah, who's like, you know, flirting with you, all right? Who thinks it's that? Okay, I don't care what you believe. 
I just know that I'm not the only one who struggles with this, okay? I use that forever. And then my kids are like, why are you hitting on me, Dad? I'm hitting on you. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> like, I'm just using this to make sure you know. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Sarcastic, right? I'm done with emojis because it means something different to every single person. I'm almost done with the English language because any word can mean anything to anybody anymore. I'm just done with it sometimes. I feel like it, right? So here's the point. Sometimes it's great to have it in writing, but if it's going to be potentially be misunderstood, I bet it's better to just pick up a phone. Or even better yet, meet with them in person. But Paul's like, listen, I'm not just weak. <laughs> Trust me, I've been gentle, I've been meek. And if you're not careful, Mama Bear is gonna come visit you the next time and I will put you in your place. And there, that's what Paul is saying right here. And so be careful about how you use this. Here's our big idea today. Weaponize biblical truth <laughs> to battle deception. This is a weird big idea, but it, we're going to, trust me, weaponize biblical truth to battle deception. Because Paul says, when I come, if I have to, I will punish those. Because I will remind you of the authority and the apostleship that I've been given from Jesus Christ, and I will put you in your place and punish those who are being disobedient. And you're like, whoa. What kind of punishment, dude? What's he gonna do? That's what I wanna know. Like, is he gonna come with like a rod, like a whip? Like, what's he gonna do? I don't know, he doesn't say. I don't wanna find out, to be honest with you, because when Mama Bear comes out, I shut down. Yes, ma'am. That's like, yes, ma'am. I don't care, my mom, I, I'm, I'm, I'm you, know, you, know, you know, old now. My mom, if Mama Bear were to come out, I'm like, yes, ma'am. You know, I just, I don't wanna mess around, right? When, when, and like, I don't wanna know. But he has the ability to. And sometimes I don't think we understand the seriousness of which we're in. We're just so passive about so many things or we're so vehement or argumentative or defensive about the wrong things, but not biblical things. What are the, what are the, if we're in a war, who are we up against, right? One of the things, how do we weaponize God's word is when I take every thought captive, every desire captive and put it under the authority of God's word. When I'm willing to put every thought, every desire captive under the word of God. So then I can say, I trust you, God, not me, no matter what this thought or desire is. That's when I begin to weaponize God's truth because it's God's truth that I need, not me. And so then every thought, every desire I have, I put it under the authority of God's word and allow him to decide what I'm gonna do, what's right and what's wrong. Who are my enemies in this battle? The scripture gives us three clear ones. Flesh, the devil, Satan, and the world. Flesh, have you ever had a thought that comes to your mind that is just, you know, like you just want to rebel, you just don't want to do what God wants you to do, right? Like, Mom, you just don't want to do, I'm not going to clean up today, whatever, I don't know. But for God, it, it'd be like, um, I just, I, I, I can watch this filthy movie, listen to this music, because it doesn't affect me. You know, I, again, I'm not making a rule, I'm just saying, like, you can say this in your head. And it really doesn't it have anything to do with, the music. it's just you don't want to do whatever you know you maybe shouldn't do in that moment, I don't know. Or it's okay to lie every once in a while, as long as it's not hurting anybody. Right? These things we start to say to ourselves, like, I, just to justify my own desires. I don't like what he said. I'm going to justify what I'm doing. That's the flesh. That's what scripture says, the flesh. We all have them. We all struggle. And for the rest of our lives, we always have those thoughts that come up when I'm battling my own selfish desires. That's the flesh. But then sometimes those thoughts aren't just thoughts that come up from my fleshly desire. They could be like demonic, like, like Satan is trying to attack me and he's putting thoughts into my head. Have you ever had a thought where you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Like a, like a twisted, sick, either perverted, nasty, or like ugly, like where did that come from? 
Like when, 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 when Satan wants to mess with us, trust me, he, he's not trying to trick you and deceive you on like whether or not Elvis is still alive. Like, dude, he's alive and he's playing guitar in Maui right now. Like, who cares about that? That doesn't affect your life whatsoever. Some of us don't even know who Elvis is, right? But what he wants to do is give you those lies in your head where you're like, you know what? Hey, because Satan always says, hey, first. I don't know why in these illustrations. Hey, you know it's okay to live together before you're married. As long as you love each other. Hey, you know your spouse, right? Like, you know you'd be happier if you weren't with somebody else. And you know God wants you to be happier, right? Hey, you know like those tarot cards and all that kind of stuff. You know there's some, maybe there's something behind that. Maybe you'd be able to figure out what to do next in your life. You see, what happens is I just start saying, hey, (laughs) or that thought comes in. And then as soon as I give it a foothold, what I end up finding out very quickly is there's a stronghold. I say yes to one little thing and then I start letting that thought control me. And as soon as I let that thought control me, then I have, I've, given, I've given trust over. And now no longer is God's word the authority in my life, it's this thought. And where did that thought come from? Then there's also the world. Because you see, Satan, devil, he wants, that's his, the scripture says that he's the father of lies and so he wants to lie. That's part of his propaganda, his strategy against us is to deceive us so that we question God's word and put trust in his thoughts instead of God's word. And then there's the world. The world is basically what you might call like entertainment or the arts. It's the Twitter sphere. It's uh, higher education, culture, media. It's just all these influences that are around us in this world. And they seem to be like this tool of propaganda that can be used to say that, you know, to weaken us. Because there's so many, if we throw out so many lies and twists and, and potentials and subjections and like all these ideas, then it's going to be tough to know what's true. And, and part of, th- that's what, that's what he wants. And so it's not necessarily bad or good, it's just true, and we live in that, and we can be exposed to that. And after being exposed to that, we can, it can be difficult to know what is truth. We can feel like, well, no, wait, maybe this is right. And so like the experts of the world and the authorities and the celebrities come out and say these things and then, and we're also now taught, like, right, like, it's your truth, and you can have your truth, and no one can question your truth, but that's not truth. We know that intellectually. That's not truth. That's just my personal perception. But it begins to be difficult to weed out all the true from the not true. And then I'm slowly, I've allowed a lot of the potentially untrue or half-truths to seep in, and now I'm standing upon what I think is truth, but it's actually someone else's untruth because I've never put it underneath the authority of God's word. And this subtly can just start happening. And then even in our families, we can even allow it to continue as dads and moms because we don't even pay attention to it. Oh, that's not a big deal. We're fighting the wrong battles oftentimes. We're fighting for grades more than some of these other things. And so it just slowly begins to happen and then we see it. So that's kind of the influence that the world can have. And our youngest generation, man, we gotta realize there's spiritual battle. This isn't just our rights as humans or Americans, things like that. There's a spiritual battle going on. And our youngest generation is totally being inundated with lies. Where they come from and whether their life matters or not, taught to judge people by the color of their skin, not the content of their character, your life doesn't matter because you were by chance. So whether you're a baby in a womb or an old person that has no more use for this society, you're a choice now. You're not a human made in the image of God. All of these things that we, we sometimes allow. 
to give a foothold and then all of a sudden a stronghold has happened. Our big idea once again is weaponize biblical truth to battle deception because there's so much around us. And as Christians, Romans 3, 4, it's gotta be true of us. Let God be true though everyone were a liar. No matter what the rest of the world says around me, I can't, whatever you say is what you say, whatever you believe is what you believe, but as for me, whatever God says is true. I'm a liar if I don't trust God. I've gotta believe, that's what, that's what I'm taught. That's how you weaponize biblical truth because we need truth because this is a war that's so much bigger than us. I can't change the world. I gotta bring the big guns. That's where Ephesians 6 says, put the armor of God on. What's the armor of God? Well, his word is our sword that cuts through lies to help me understand what's true and what's not true. And for even many people in the world who are captive to the world's philosophies, you see, one of the things that it's so easy to do, if we can, if we can normalize sin, teach that right is wrong and wrong is right, right, normalize sin, then all of a sudden my soul can be captive. Man, it makes me feel good because I never have to be convicted for every anything. It makes me feel good. But then there is no God. Then I'm God, my truth. My truth begins to be God. And so again, I'm asking, who, who do we trust? It really comes down to who do we trust. And even in the world, so many people are, the baloney meters are up, man. People are like, man, this is, this is a bunch of insanity now. It's just getting crazy. But, and so you even see like this, take the red pill. Kind of, like, take the red pill. Back to that movie back in 1999, The Matrix. You know, take the red pill. And if you take the red pill, you'll see what's really the truth of the world around you. And we need more than a pill. <laughs> the Bible says we need repentance. Because we need rescuing. We need repentance, and repentance means I changed my mind. I say I'm wrong, and God is right. And that's a tough pill for us to swallow, isn't it, sometimes? And again, we can point our finger out there and say, yeah, see, that's what the world needs, but wait a minute, what about you? Because I know there are days when I wake up, and it's still a tough pill for me to swallow. And this one decision I'm about to make, wait a minute, will I trust you, God, or will I trust something else? Are we being obedient? Are we holding every cap, every thought captive, every desire captive to the authority of God's word? And Paul, these people were not. And they begin to twist it and use it against other believers and put down Paul so that even the church doesn't have influence and power. And Paul's like, not on my watch. It's not gonna happen, because I love you too much. I'm not gonna let anyone take you away without a fight. I'm gonna stand up for God's word. Not for his personal subjective opinions, but for the good news of the gospel because the gospel is a weapon. Once again, our big idea, weaponize biblical truth to battle deception. And James reminds us, okay, so like we put the, sal the salvation as our helmet. That's what scripture says. Salvation is our helmet to protect our minds because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt what God says is true, what is right. This is what sin is. This is how I know that I'm right with God and this is what I share with the world. That's the salvation of, I mean, the helmet of salvation. But then also faith is a shield and it protects our hearts. And a lot of us just have really weak faith muscles because James reminds us that faith without deeds is dead. So the litmus kind of test of faith is obedience. Am I being obedient every day of my life to everything that I know I'm supposed to be obedient to? That's faith in work, faith in action is my obedience. And oftentimes you say, I don't have to obey that. Then I'm weakening my faith. 
But as we grow in our obedience, which is strengthening our faith, our shield is becoming stronger, and so the fiery darts of the evil one is blocked. Obedience, are we being obedient? And I can't make the world be obedient, but I can choose to be obedient. Are we choosing to be obedient? And when we choose to be obedient, the world can see what obedience looks like and what a life that comes from that. Do we care enough about people to fight, to stand up for God's word? When the cult member comes to your door and knocks on, hey, let me have a conversation, keep the door shut unless you're ready and prepared. When the professor questions and derides and says Christianity is a lie, don't let it happen. Go home, do the research, answer her concerns. When the celebrity or someone pundit says, you know, questions or mocks your values, pray for them. And then share God's word. That's what we do. I'm not going to punch you. <laughs> I'm not going to slander you. I'm not going to gossip about you. I'm not going to call you names. I'm going to love you like Jesus loved me. And then I'm going to stand and I'm going to preach God's word boldly. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to retreat. But I am going to stand on God's word, not on Mark, Mark's opinion. And I'm going to be obedient. That's what it would look like. Paul, all grace and truth is standing on God's word. Matter of fact, it gets to the point where like later in this, he's like, he starts to humble bag. You know what humble brag is? Like, like the old interview question, what's, your, what's, your, what's one of your biggest weaknesses? Um, well, I guess I really work too hard sometimes. Yeah. I just, I just love to get it done the right way. I'm a perfectionist, right, you know? Call me strange. <laughs> like, whatever, like, you're just totally bragging, like, you're, you, you love to work or whatever, you know? It's like, you know, if you have, like, a, a, a guy who goes, you know, hey, I'm so envious of your Kia. It gets so much better gas mileage than my <coughs> Beamer, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure you are. And you say Beamer, like, 10 times a day to justify the price. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, you know, these humble brags kind of moments, right? You just, you slip in a brag in the midst of it. Well, Paul, it's, it's like, you know who I am, right? You know the authority that I've been given, right? It's like this humble brag. Because he's dealing with people who constantly brag and lift up themselves and commend themselves. Be very careful about being with people who brag about themselves constantly, especially spiritual leaders. Because what Paul does is, listen, I can't, he can't even bring himself to brag about himself. All he can do is brag about God. And he quotes scripture to brag about God and what God has done in and through his life. And this is a principle that all of us, we can live by young people, old people, everybody in between, like all of us. Like if you commend yourself, if you have to commend yourself to lift yourself up, you're in trouble. So here's the principle. You lift yourself up, God will probably bring you down and humble you. But if you humble yourself, God will lift you up. Once again, who do you trust? These people were comparing themselves to themselves. <laughs> this little small group of five little false teachers, like, hey, look at us, look how cool we are. Yeah, when you don't compare yourself to anybody other than yourself, you look pretty good. And Paul's like, no, I'm not gonna play that game. God is the one who will vindicate Paul. God is the one who will commend Paul. Paul doesn't need to brag about himself. He trusts in God. So he continues to put up. He gets sarcastic, he says, I wouldn't dare compare, my, compare myself with you guys, you're so cool. <laughs> Because all he wants is for God to commend him. Churches can fall into this. Christians, we can, we can like, oh, look at that church. They're so cool. They have this. They have that. They're different. They're bigger, whatever. One pastor was asked the question, wouldn't you love your church to double in size? And his response was, well, if I get twice as many of the same kind of people I have now, heaven help us. <laughs> Numbers are important, 
But they're all, not all that's important. Are we obedient? Are we obedient? What do we look like? Paul can feel this pressure. I mean, they're trying to make him like, because these people, they were like slick talkers, getting everybody to follow them. They're gaining a huge following. And it can happen. It happens today, right? There are, there are churches and people that talk about their church more than God, brag about their preacher more than Jesus. Because you can make it, everybody feel good, warm and fuzzies, and like, hey, make you like a better person, throw some scripture in there to spiritualize it, and everybody's wild and feels good. We can be following a person, but not Jesus. Same thing was happening then. It happens now. It's dangerous. This isn't just a game. This is people's eternity on the line here. Who do we trust? He, he kind of wraps up or finishes up in, in verse 15. Next week, we're going to talk more about these beware of false super apostles. But in verse 15, he kind of switches it a little bit. And this is kind of, I want to kind of wrap this up a little bit. Because he says, what I'd actually like to do is to go expand our influence even more to win more people to Christ. But I keep having to come back to you, Corinthians, and put up with this nonsense. He says, listen, if, you're, if, if we, if Paul, if we're not legit, then you're not legit because we're the ones who came to you and shared the gospel with you. <laughs> like, we're the ones, you would be a Christian. If we wouldn't you know, know about Jesus if it wasn't for us. So if we're not legit, you're not legit. We're not the ones piggybacking on other people's work, like the people that were complaining, the false teachers. They were just trying to seduce other believers, not trying to win people to Christ. And Paul's like, listen, man, I love you guys, but stop it because God's got more work to do. And he's having to put up with me over and over and over. But if I would just stop, then he could do more through me. And you guys could be a part of it too. So this is where I think for us, wherever you are, like practically, this is the response. Because we're gonna sing a song here in a moment, and it's a chance for us to respond to whatever, whatever God is kind of impacting or saying to you, the Holy Spirit convicting if you're a believer. Which one are you, a false teacher? And you're like, I'm not a false teacher, trust me. Well, wait a minute, I'm not calling you a false teacher, but wait. Are you teaching others to trust in anything other than God's word for any decision in your life? Are you teaching your kids or your family by silence on something, allowing it to happen, which makes it sound like God's okay with it? Am I teaching that I'm just, my justification is justified? That's pretty close to what they were doing, isn't it? So be careful. Don't just pass that one by. Maybe there's some areas in our lives where some of us Christians are being false teachers. What about you? Maybe you're just a Christian who is being swayed or in the midst of a decision struggling. Is that you? You're on teetering on this fence of do I trust God or do I trust what others are telling me? Do I trust God? Do I trust my desires? Do I trust God? Do I trust culture? Do I trust God? Do I trust what everyone else is saying? Who do I trust? Being swayed. Where are you? Or maybe you, you, you haven't made a decision on Jesus yet. You're still learning about him or wanting to know what to do. You haven't decided if you're willing to trust him or not. Count the cost. Because a lot of us said yes to Jesus but maybe we didn't realize what he actually wanted. And then it came to a point in our life where we're like, oh, wait a minute. Jesus, you mean it's gonna, make, it's gonna change my habits? It's gonna affect my drinking and my cussing and my language and my relationships and the way I treat other people? It's gonna affect all this? The way I spend my money is gonna affect all this? Wait a minute. Well, let's just change God's word instead of allow God's word to change me. So count the cost because Jesus up front, he wants everything. 
but he's worth it. He wants everything, but you can trust him. He wants everything and he doesn't change. He wants everything, but he gives you so much more in return. So it's your choice. In a moment, we're gonna sing a song and we're gonna respond. Are you willing to like, you know, like where are you? Like arms high, abandoned? I'm all in for who? For what? What the gospel clearly says in scripture is that we were made in the image of God, every single one of us, and we've all made mistakes. We can look at the world around us and we see evil and racism and greed and compromise and just ugliness and slant. We see, ugly, we see evil all over the world. That's the consequences of people like me choosing to rebel against God, the consequences of our sin. And if I die separated from God from my consequences, then I die eternally separated from him. And there's nothing I can do to go back and undo what I've already done. And God reminds me of that, but says, I've done something for you. And so he came down, Jesus in flesh, God in flesh, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and then God places our sin on him so that he pays the punishment that I deserve. Now all who call Christ, who confess him as their Lord and Savior, repent, to change our mind and say he's right, I'm wrong, to obey him, be baptized, receive forgiveness of our sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can continue to live obedient lives and then if we die now, we die eternally with God. That's what we want for you. That's what God wants for you. He loves you. He's proven it. If you wanna have a conversation with someone, if you're ready to take whatever next step may be, please text us, email us, so we can start that conversation. Information will be on the screen. After this, if you're here in person, there'll be people up here up front, some of our friends to have a conversation. They'll pray with you, help you take that next step. Maybe be baptized, give your life to Christ today, whatever that next step is. I'm gonna pray, and we're preparing our hearts maybe for whatever God's calling you to do. I just, my prayer is pretty simple, that every single one of us would choose to trust Jesus and say yes to whatever he's asking you to do right now. So please, pray along with me wherever you are. Hey God, thank you so much first and foremost for loving us. Thank you for demonstrating what your love looks like through Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us the truth. It's not what I wanted to hear, but it's what I need to hear. And so for all the dads, the moms, the, the brothers and sisters, the friends, the relatives, the coworkers, the, every single, for all of us here today, who do we trust? Expose that in my heart. Convict me through the Holy Spirit to demonstrate who do I really trust? If we're believers, where in our lives are we not trusting you and we're being disobedient, even justifying? Is there a place in my life where I'm honestly almost being a false teacher by condoning it in my life and others? Celebrating the fact that I can. I'm getting away with it. Or maybe there's some in the room that are listening that have never said yes to you and Maybe they're beginning to realize, like, man, this truth is so much better than what, what we've been given, what we are given in the world around us. I, our prayer is pretty simple, God. Convict us. And I pray that every single one of us leaves here today, <laughs> arms wide open, willing to trust you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand, and wherever you are, here's a moment, a time for you to respond what God is speaking to us today.